coming up on Philosophy Talk. Our team is the Hypatians. We are Team Aegon. The Categorical Imps. We're the Path. The Know-Nothings. A philosophical pub quiz. In celebration of two decades on the air. Are you ready for this quiz? How's your philosophical trivia knowledge? Which philosopher asked what it's like to be a bat? Who coined the term paradigm shift? Which philosopher was awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1950? Who coined the term category mistake? Who invented the thought experiment that became known as the trolley problem? Who coined the term trolley problem? Are you being more generous with me than you were with the other people? Our guest quiz taker is our friend and host emeritus, John Perry. Well, you should be. It's our 20th anniversary quiz show. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Thank you for downloading this episode of Philosophy Talk. Did you know that we've got a library of more than 500 other episodes over at our website? Yeah, philosophytalk.org. We question everything. Except your intelligence. From Aristotle to Zeno, from anarchy to Zen. Become a subscriber today at philosophytalk.org. And now, on with the show. What did Thomas Hobbes say was the mother of philosophy? Which famous actor played Aristotle in a movie? What thinker's name can be anagrammed as, okay, Jazz Elvis? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ray Briggs. We're coming to you via the studios of KALW San Francisco Bay Area. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Ray teaches philosophy, and I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today, it's a special edition of the program. We're starting our third decade on the air by listening back to the 20th anniversary quiz night we held last fall. Back in November, longtime listeners and first-time fans joined members of the Philosophy Talk team. Including Josh and me. At KLW's pop-up event space in downtown San Francisco. There, they were treated to a philosophical quiz administered by our fearless director of research, Laura McGuire. Today, you're going to get the chance to answer those questions, too. And so will our old friend and host emeritus, John Perry. He's going to join us as our on-air contestant. You can follow along by heading over to the blog at philosophytalk.org, where we've posted the slides from the night of the quiz. But first, let's meet the eight teams who filled the room that night in San Francisco to question everything. Except their philosophical trivia knowledge. Take it away, Laura. If you're a table without a philosopher, grab one of them. And come up with a name for your team. And then we're going to go table by table and get your team name. So why don't you start right there, Devin? Okay. Our, our team is are the Hypatians. All right. What, what is your team name? We are the Freudian Slippers. <laughs> what is your team name? Uh, the Categorical Imps. <laughs> Okay, what's the next team name, Devin? Oh, next one, we are next Team Aegon. Avon? Aegon. Oh, I thought he was like the Avon lady. I was like, what? <laughs> okay, next team. All right, what is your team name? The Dream Team. Dream Team. Logical. All right, what is your team name? The Know Nothings. Ooh. A fine history there. Have we got all the teams? We're the path. Ooh. Ominous. The down. Ominous. Okay. Are you ready for this quiz? Indeed we are, because we're joined now by the man who co-created this radio show about 20 years ago, along with his friend and colleague, Ken Taylor. John Perry, welcome back to Philosophy Talk. Well, thanks. Happy to be here. So, John, what have you been up to since you were last on the show? Well, I sit in my uh, study at home and read philosophy, write philosophy. I have a little international group that meets every Monday and talks about things uh, via Zoom. And I'm working on a book, probably the same one I was working on uh, when I was still on the show, on freedom and determinism. Turns out to be a rather complicated topic. <laughs> just, just a tad. But let's get started with the quiz, John. Uh, round one of the quiz was a picture round, so not so great for the radio. I think we should just jump straight to round two. 
And John, the team that won this round got five points. So you're going to have five to beat. So round number two is movie trivia. It's worth a total of 10 points. There are five questions with two parts each. Okay, let's go. Number one, who directed the 1948 movie whose main characters were inspired by Nietzsche's Superman? What was the movie called? Number two, who directed the 1967 movie based on a 1942 French novel of the same name? Who wrote the novel? Number three, who directed the 2009 movie about an Egyptian philosopher? Who played the role of the philosopher? Number four, who directed the 1993 movie Wittgenstein? Who wrote the original screenplay it was based on? Okay, and the last question, five. Who plays the role of the old Ptolemy in the 2004 film Alexandria? Who plays the role of Aristotle? Now, it's really important that it's the old Ptolemy because he's depicted by a number of different actors, so it's the old Ptolemy. And I'll give you guys a clue. Both of these actors are famous actors, so if you don't know, just guess. Okay, so number one, John, what do you think? Alfred Hitchcock, The Rope. That is absolutely right, yes. That was one of the few questions I actually got right. That was based on Leopold and Loeb, right? The real-life uh, murderers. Mm. Okay, number two, John. 1942. Oh, Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> uh, the who? Stranger. Ooh, so who wrote that? Sorry. The other one. The handsome one. Camus. Yes. <laughs> All right, we're going to give you the point for Camus. The director was actually uh, Visconti. Well, of course. For, indeed, a movie adaptation of The Stranger. All right, so number three. An Egyptian philosopher? From the 4th century CE. Your additional clue is that it was a female philosopher. Well, I think it, it's a little late for Cleopatra. Uh-huh. I give up. This was a movie about Hypatia, <laughs> and it was directed by Alejandro Amenabar. It's, it's sort of not bad, although it gets the history of astronomy pretty badly wrong. <laughs> I mean, I guess I remember Hypatia, but I had no idea who she was. Number four. Who directed so, the 1993 movie Vixenstein? No idea. So the movie was directed by Derek Jarman, and the play was written by Terry Eagleton. Well, I've heard of Wittgenstein. <laughs> <laughs> I think I knew Jarman, like, somewhere in the deepest recesses of um, what Wittgenstein would have denied was my unconscious. Maybe we'll have better luck with number five. Who plays the role of old Ptolemy in the 2004? Yeah, so on the night, John, Laura gave what she thought was a helpful clue, which was that these two are both famous actors. Yeah, um, okay. And another clue uh, that it's the, the old Ptolemy, not the young Ptolemy. Um, I, for one, found that these clues did not <laughs> help me at all. Okay, old, old Ptolemy, that was Gabby Hayes. Aristotle, uh, Charlton Heston. Great guesses, but Old Ptolemy was Anthony Hopkins and Aristotle was Christopher Plummer. Do you guys know who Gabby Hayes is? I don't know who Gabby Hayes is. He was Roy Rogers' sidekick. Oh, that's great. Oh. <laughs> I like the idea of Charlton Heston uh, being in that and saying, you're, you get, you'll <laughs> fry this my metaphysics out of my cold, dead hands. Yes. So how many did I get right? So you got three points. So I didn't get five. But that's a whole team that got five. Exactly. It's totally unfair. Yeah, you got totally Hitchcock, right. you got Rope, and you got Camus. The winner of that round was the categorical imps with a total of five points out of a possible ten. So three out of ten ain't bad. Let's move on to the next round. 
round three is who said what? Okay, so this is a total of 20 points. You will get 10 sentences. Each one will have a blank, so you have to fill in the blank and name who said it, okay? The blank in every case is a single word, so I need the exact word, and again, surnames for the philosopher is fine. Okay, let's go. Number one, to be is to be blank. Two, man is condemned to be blank. <laughs> I expect a lot of you to get this one. Number three, blank is the mother of philosophy. Yeah, make it up if you don't know. You might just guess correctly. Number four, entities should not be blank unnecessarily. Number five, the cost of liberty is less than the price of blank. Number six, blank is not an ideal of reason, but of imagination. Number seven, we aim at blank and hope for truth. Number eight, philosophy is at once the most sublime and the most blank of human pursuits. I mean, you can guess this one if you don't know. Number nine, good and evil, reward and punishment are the only motives to a blank creature. And the last one, number 10, blank, the mark and even the pose of the educated mind. Okay, John, question number one. To be is to be... Hmm? Would it help if I give you the Latin? Is this from Latin? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. To be is to be conceived. I guess. Oh, you're so close! It's perceived. Oh, then it's Barclay. Yeah, exactly. Next question, question two. Man is condemned to be free. <laughs> yep, you got it. <laughs> Who said it? Jean-Paul Sartre. Indeed. You're rocking it. On to question three. Mother of Oh, Christ. Your clue is it's not Margaret Thatcher. It's not Margaret Thatcher. Uh, lack of sleep? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly the truth, but not what the person said. No, oh. Okay. Almost the opposite of that. What did they say? Leisure. Oh, leisure is the mother of philosophy. Any guesses who, who said, said it? it? I don't... I don't have any idea. So that was Thomas Hobbes. Jesus. <laughs> no, he, <laughs> he would have said it. He said something else, I think, about the meek or something like that. So on to question four. Entities should not be, well, I don't know, postulated or believed in or... I feel like that's the spirit of it. Or something like that. Very close. Postulated unnecessarily. Think of mathematical operations. Added necessarily, multiplied beyond necessity. Yes, there you got it. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> and who said it? Oh, Occam. Yes. Yeah, John, so John, on this round, the best team, well, the best two teams of that round, Categorical Imps and Freudian Slippers, each got seven points. So you're cruising to beat them if you can keep up yeah, this pace. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> on to question five. The cost of liberty is less than the price of tyranny. Right thought, not quite the word. <laughs> the cost close. of liberty is less than the price of eggs. <laughs> <laughs> These days. Um, the, uh, the right answer is actually repression. Can you guess who the philosopher was? John Locke. No. Nope. It was W.E.B. Du Bois. On to question six. Ethics is not an ideal of reason, but of imagination. It's a very good guess. It's not the correct answer. Um, oh, what's the right answer? The right answer is happiness. <laughs> happiness. Can you guess who the philosopher is? Happiness is not an ideal of reason, but of imagination. Jesus. No, again, that was the meek one. Hume. Oh, so close. Close. It was Kant. Kant. 
It well, was the one Hume woke from his dogmatic slumbers. Well be. In his dogmatic slippers. All right, on to number seven. The aim at reason and hope for truth. Another good guess, but not quite. Turns out it's simplicity. We aim at simplicity and hope for truth. And who said it? Who, who the hell would have said that? <laughs> 20th century American philosopher. William James. Mm, good guess, but it was Nelson Goodman, the philosopher of science. Oh, Nelson Goodman. <laughs> All right, you, you, can, you, you can get it back, John. You're still in with a shout for, for winning this round. Let's go to number eight. Philosophy is at once the most sublime and the most, he should have said ridiculous, but that's <laughs> probably probably not what he said. It's not the word, but it's not far off. Mm, I don't know. And the most fragile. Trivial. <laughs> Trivial. And who, who said that? I'll give you a hint. It was somebody you guessed before, an American philosopher. William James. Yes. Pretty good hint. John, you are tied with already with the winning score for the round at seven points. Yeah. And you have two more questions. It's, you only need one other remaining four points to pull into the lead on the round. Let's go to question nine. Good and evil, reward and punishment are the only motives to a rational creature. That is yes. correct. <laughs> Who said it? Some idiot. I mean. <laughs> Probably not a very rational creature. Schopenhauer. Ah, uh, good guess, but no, it was Locke. John Locke. That was Locke. That was yes. Locke, believe oh. it or not. One more question. Can you extend your lead over the winning team even farther? Number 10. The mark and even the pose of the educated mind. Well, I don't know. Philosophy? More specifically? <laughs> Oh, I know. Philosophy of literature. The mark and even the pose of the I mean, that is mind. The, that would be the real answer. I agree with you, John. Yeah. But the, the actual answer is skepticism. Oh, really? Which pragmatist said that? It would be James or Dewey. I'm not sure which. Which pragmatist would... famous for a library system? Dewey. That is correct. Yes. So, John, with a tiny bit of help from the judges, you scored yeah, nine I, points. I, on that yeah. round. Tiny bit of help. You're listening to Philosophy Talk. Today, we're celebrating two decades on the air by revisiting our 20th anniversary quiz night with our old friend and host emeritus, John Perry. Coming up, it's another set of trivia rounds, including Use Your Noggin, Emoji Books and Authors, and Anagrams. More from our philosophical pub quiz when Philosophy Talk continues. Welcome back to Philosophy Talk. Today we're revisiting the 20th anniversary quiz night we held last fall in downtown San Francisco. I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ray Briggs. Our guest is Philosophy Talk co-founder John Perry, who's joining us now to take the quiz along with you, our radio and podcast audience. So, John, feeling good? Well, you know, considering, uh, you know, <laughs> I've, got, I've got 10 days left before I'm 81. Oh, how I meant good feeling good about feel? the quiz. You just aced round three. You should oh, be I'm feeling good about the quiz. Feeling okay about the quiz, I guess. All right, let's get back to our quiz master, Director of Research Laura McGuire, as she and the eight teams get set for round four. This round is called Use Your Noggin because we're testing not just your knowledge of philosophy, but how well you reason. It's an important part of philosophy. So, this round has four puzzles of increasing difficulty. You will get one point and one minute for the first, two minutes, two points for the second, three for the third, four for the fourth. Is that clear? Now, I want to emphasize these are not trick questions. There's no ambiguities. There's no funny business. They're just straightforward puzzles that have a logical answer. No philosophical knowledge required for this round. Let's see how this changes the scores. Number one, you roll a five-sided pencil on the table. HB pencil is written on one side only. What is the chance that this side ends up straight on top? 
Number two, there are three light bulbs in your attic. All of them are turned off and their switches are installed downstairs. You can play with the switches as much as you want and after that you can visit the attic just once. How can you find out which switch corresponds to which bulb? Ooh, everyone's whispering. They don't want anyone else to hear on the other teams. Number three, you have nine balls, eight of which weigh the same. The ninth ball is heavier. You can use a balance scale, one of these, these ones, to compare weights to find the heavier ball. How many measurements do you need to do it? So I'm looking for the smallest number. Obviously, you could do many, many measurements, but what's the smallest number of measurements you need to figure out which of the nine balls is the heavy one? Okay, the last one, number four. 10 people are given the following challenge. They will be arranged in a line so that each of them faces the back of the one in front. Then either a black or red hat will be put on their heads. They will be asked one at a time what color their hat is starting from the back. If someone guesses correctly, they win $100,000. I'm not saying this about the answer to this. Uh, if everyone can only see the hats of those in front of them, what strategy should the group use to win at least $900,000? Okay, John, puzzle number one. How about one in five? So that looks plausible, but it's, it's not the answer. Mm. So if, if it's a five-sided pencil... Like, what does it look like when you look down at it? I'm taking five-sided to not include the top and the bottom. Oh, so if you look at a cross-section of it, it's, it's a pentagon. Yeah. I think the answer is no chance. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> John, how did you figure that out? Well, the fact that it wasn't one in five was the main clue. <laughs> <laughs> it's the correct answer because... For a five-sided pencil to land with a particular side facing exactly, you know, up towards the ceiling, it would be sitting on an edge. Yes. And it would just fall over. We'll give you the point for that one, John. All right. Are you being more generous with me than you were with the under people? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, it should be. Question two. How can you find out which switch corresponds to which bulb? You just... As much as you visit the attic just once. Yeah, the suggestion from the question is that you can do it, and I am going to sign on to that suggestion. You can do it. Well, I don't think you can. John, I'm going to give you a clue. Okay. <clears throat> when you turn on a light bulb, the light bulb generates light. What else does it generate? Heat. Correct. Does that help you answer the question? Well... I suppose you could leave the switches on for various amounts of time and then see which one was warmest, but... Yeah, so you got it partly right. You, you can turn one on for a while until it warms up. Then you can turn it off. And then you can turn another on. And then you see which light is on, which light is warm, and which light is neither on nor warm. And that'll tell you which one each of the switches controlled. Okay. <laughs> what was your dissertation on, Ray? <laughs> My dissertation was on the philosophy of probability. <laughs> yeah, okay. And light bulbs? Not on light bulbs. <laughs> I, I don't even know how many philosophers it, it takes to change one. <laughs> Number three. We have nine balls, eight of which weigh the same. The ninth ball is heavier. How many measurements do you need to find the heavier ball? Hmm. I would say three. That's what I thought too, but it turns out it's actually two because what you can do is this. You take two sets of three balls and weigh them against each other. Mm -hmm. If they weigh the same, you know that the odd ball out is in the other set of three, the third set of three balls. If they weigh different, you know that the heavier ball is in the, you know, the, the, the scale that goes down the further. So now you, now you have a set of three balls and you, you know, of which you know that the heavier ball is one. 
And then you do the same thing by weighing one ball against another ball of those three balls. Do the same thing again. If they weigh the same, then the odd ball out is the one that remains. And if they weigh different, whichever one is the heavier is the odd ball out. Okay. <laughs> Come on, don't you feel your neurons rewiring, your your mind expanding, your, your spirit soaring? No, I just kind of remember all the logicians I've known since I've got into philosophy and all of whom I think should have gone into math or probability <laughs> if they'd done the decent thing. Yeah, I'm getting high school flashbacks. <laughs> Question four. Ten people are given the following challenge. Yeah, so each person gets one hat and it's either black or red. What strategy should the group use to win at least $900,000? Well, each person should see what the ratio of hats in front of him is and then guess the color of the lower ratio. So I'm not sure how that's going to work. <laughs> but there's a nearby strategy that works. So you can have the last person look and they'll see nine hats. So there's either going to be an odd number of red ones or an odd number of black ones. And so if there's an odd number of red, they can guess red. And if there's an odd number of black, they can guess black. And then the next to last person can guess their hat color uh, based on how many red and black they see. So if there's an odd number of red, then, and they see an even number of red, then they've got to be wearing the last red hat. And if they still see an odd number of red, then they've got to be wearing a black hat and so on. John, you got a total of one point in that round due to uh, the kindness of the judges. So how did the other groups do? The winning team in this round was a team called The Path, and they scored nine points out of a possible 10. Yeah, they weren't philosophers, logicians. <laughs> well, John, this next round is a visual one, but we're going to adapt it for radio. So we've got books and authors, okay? So what this round is, you will get an emoji for the title of a book. You have to figure out the title of the book and the author. There's 10, 10 of these, one point each. So if you get some words wrong in the book, like in, of, for, to, we'll ignore that. We just want the big words of the book. Um, but those big words must be correct. And again, surname's fine. Okay, so let's begin. So John, this is question one. And what we're seeing is an emoji of a whale. Yes. <laughs> so what, what book is that and who is it by? Well, I don't suppose it's Moby Dick because that wasn't written by a philosopher. Right, I mean, it, that's not a philosophy book. I mean, it has some philosophy in it. Mm -hmm. There is a reference in the the Bible to a whale, and this word is used as the title of a very famous uh, book of philosophy from the 17th century. You mean something so famous I might have read it, or at least read the you title. You might indeed yeah. have heard of it. So I give up. What is it? book is Leviathan by Thomas Hobbes. Is a whale a Leviathan? It is. Yeah, in the book of Job. All right, John, on to question two. So we're now looking at an emoji for embarrassment. We've got somebody putting their oh. hand over their mouth and they're blushing. And this again is a philosophy book? It is. Do I get to know the century? Fourth century BCE. Doesn't look like the Republic. You're on the right track. You might think of it as Plato's oopsie. So he wrote the Republic and he wrote all those... Socratic dialogues. Mm -hmm. This is this is the dialogue where uh, Socrates is presenting his defense to the court in Athens. Yeah, it had a name, didn't it? It did have a name. <laughs> I give up. What was it? Plato's Apology. Apology. Question three. So this is a picture of a. Christian cross, and then three of those blushing hand-over-the-mouth emojis. And the winning team, John, in this round was the Dream Team, which scored eight points. So you can still just about catch them up. Okay, a cross with three embarrassed people. So, John, uh, when you've done something wrong, you've been a naughty boy, and you 
go to church? What do you do when you get there? I don't know. <laughs> try to slip out when nobody's looking. My son, how long has it been since your last confession? Okay. Yes. So what's, what's the book we're looking for? Confessions of somebody or other. <laughs> Confessions of St. Augustine. <laughs> no, that's funny. I, I used to teach that and I've actually read it. So that's, that's one point for the title, none for the author. Question four. What we're looking at here, John, is two emojis. Uh, one is a painter's palette, so a, bit, a little bit of wood with some paint splotches on it. And then the second is a pair of crossed swords. This is a philosophy book, huh? It is. Uh, I mean, many people consider it to be one. <laughs> What's the first emoji here? Palette. Something more abstract. What do you mm. make if you have that? What can you make? Well, you could make a painting or a mess or... <laughs> <laughs> what kind of thing is a painting? Art. Yes. So art and a couple of swords. Mm -hmm. What can you do if you got some swords? Fight. Mm -hmm. Art fight. <laughs> <laughs> Getting there. <laughs> art duel. But bigger. Art war. You're, yeah, now all you need. The Art of War by that Chinese guy. That is correct. Do you remember the name? The Chinese guy? Yeah. Sun Tzu, or, or Sun, Sun Tzu, sometimes pronounced. Something like that, yeah. yeah. You give me a half point for that, maybe? <laughs> give me like an eighth of a point. <laughs> yeah. Question five. So we have here these three little emoji people with uh, sitting in the lotus position. Give me a century. This is 2nd century CE. What are these good people doing, John? Well, showing off their thighs. <laughs> uh, that's what first comes to mind. Uh -huh. They're sitting. Uh, they're sitting in a, kind of a yoga position, contemplating meditation, three meditations. You've almost got it. <laughs> John, we're going to give you half the point for meditations. Yeah. And for the other half point... Who wrote a book called Meditations who is not Rene Descartes? Oh, Marcus Aurelius. That is correct. Yes. So you get the whole One point, point for, for that. Aurelius. Well, that's pretty generous. On to question six. All right, John. Now here we're looking at three emojis. The first is a, an emoji with a halo on, some kind of saint, so perhaps. Got an angel, a devil, an and angel, a devil, depressed. and then. And a then, skeptical person. <laughs> a skeptical person. Oh, that's a skeptic, huh? An angel. A devil and someone looking askance, someone looking uh, quizzically or skeptically. Oh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a philosophy book, though, is it? It's not. Okay, so your clue here is, if we didn't say that the first two emojis were angel and devil, what, what other words could we use? Well, good and bad, holy and evil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, so got, you got both of them in there. You're, you're there. You're almost there. Good uh, and evil. Good and evil. Who the hell wrote that? Good and evil. There's, there's, there's one more word. One more that's word. That's suggested by the, the askance looking emoji. Okay. So it's something good and evil. Well, it sounds like Nietzsche. It is. You got it. Uh, we got the author, but what's the title? Something good and evil by Nietzsche. Give me a letter. What's the letter of <laughs> it? Letter B. Oh, the birth of good and evil. Mm, not quite. The bosom of good and evil. Nope. <laughs> Nietzsche is so over it. He's so over all this talk of good and evil. He wants to get, drumroll please, beyond good and evil. Well, beyond the good and evil. Okay, so you got half a point for that one. Question seven. So here we have a guide dog. And then we have uh, some emojis where one is kind of looking thoughtful and a little puzzled, and one is looking kind of sad and a little puzzled, <laughs> and one has an eyebrow up and an eyebrow down and a mouth that's kind of flat across. So what's what's going on with this guide dog and then this like kind of thinking emoji, this kind of meh, not sure emoji, and then this eyebrow up, eyebrow down emoji. Kind of, hmm. Well, the guide. You're on the right track. The guide, the human emotion. No. I think they're all experiencing a particular emotion. Well, like cognitive uh, state, yeah. Unsatisfactory sex. 
the title of the book is, in fact, The Guide for the Perplexed. It's a 12th century thinker. Okay, so it's not Spinoza. He's too late. You're in the right tradition, John. This is a 12th century rabbi and philosopher. Oh, a rabbi. Something with an M. Yes. Yes. Maimonides. Yes. Yes. We get we get a point for Maimonides. I think I think uh, John did not get guide for the perplexed. So I think it's right. one point. John, you have scored a grand total of a giant two points for the round so far. But three <laughs> questions still to go. We're moving on now to question eight. So okay, what we're looking at here, John, is a little uh, a little stick of ginger. Then you got a carrot. Then you've got uh, something that looks like a rutabaga or um, it's a sweet potato. Sweet I potato think. maybe. And then you've got um, three fingers pointing in different directions. Finger pointing left, finger pointing straight to us, and a finger pointing to the right. This is a philosophy book, huh? <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Okay, so here's, so here's the trick behind this one, John. Um, you, what you want to do is take those first three emoji, the, the ginger, the carrot, and the sweet potato, and think about what kinds of thing they are. Food. Uh, slightly more specific. <laughs> what what part of the plant are they? Roots. Yes. Now you have a an important word in the title. The other impo- important word has something to do with that pointing. Those pointing emojis. Right. If you point at something, what would what might a philosopher say you are doing? If you point at something, and you say, "Oh, that thing there." Oh, uh, roots of reference. That is correct. By Quine. That is correct, yes. too. You get the whole point. Question nine. So we have a scroll emoji, then we got a bunch of emojis of people with different professions and races, and then we got emojis of two trees. I thought it was an artichoke in a tree, but anyway. All right, John, what do the four characters, the four people have in common? Humans. They are indeed. And what do the two trees have in common? Plants. Keep broadening out. What's more broad than plants? What kind of environment are plants part of? Earth. (laughs) Trees and flowers and fish and rivers. Flora. And fauna. Uh, Flora and and fauna. fauna, Flora and fauna. Nature. Nature. Yes. Ah, yes. There you go. Okay. Scroll of human nature. Almost. What might you write on a scroll? Oh, Treatise of Human Nature. Yes. By? David Hume. David Hume. Yes. All right, good job. So final question in this round, question 10. We're looking at five emoji here. The first is a winner's medal, a gold medal. It says number one on it. The second is an eggplant, which we Brits like to call aubergine. Then you have (laughs) a finger pointing to the right. Then you have a silver medal, second place medal with a two on it. And finally, you have a peach. The youth today use the eggplant emoji and the peach emoji in flirtatious contexts. Flirtatious Because they uh, remind people of certain parts of the anatomy. And this is a title of a philosophy book. It is. It is, yes. It is a famous work of um, 20th century feminist philosophy by an existentialist. Existentialist woman... 20th century, I give up. What was it? The right answer was Simone de Beauvoir's The Second Sex. Simone de Beauvoir. So you got four points, which is pretty good. The The winning team for that round, Dream Team, got eight points. And you know, they were a big team. Well, that's generous. On to round six. MR next? It's anagrams. Okay, so... We have 10 names. Uh, The names are going to go by fast. I will read them out, but then you will have time at the end to finish them. So let's begin. Number one, Lenin attended. L-E-N-I-N-A-T-T-E-N-D-E-D. They're all philosopher names. Lenin attended. Number two. Horrid music, H-O-R-R-I-D-M-U-S-I-C, horrid music. 
Number three, ass deterrence. A-S-S-D-E-T-E-R-R-E-N-C-E, ass deterrence. Now the names may be associated with the philosopher in some way, or maybe not. Four, enters gripe. E-N-T-E-R-S, G-R-I-P-E, enters gripe. Number five, gliding beforehand. G-L-I-D-I-N-G-B-E-F-O-R-E-H-A-N-D, gliding beforehand. Six, an nth hand ear. A N N T H H A N D E A R. An nth hand ear. Number seven, coarsest. C O A R S E S T. Number eight, Madam G Lemon. M A D A M G L E M O N Madam G Lemon Number 9 Jaded Acquirers J A D E D A C Q U I R E R S Jaded Acquirers and the last one, number 10. Okay, Jazz Elvis. Okay, J-A-Z-Z-E-L-B-I-S. Okay, Jazz Elvis. Question one, John. This is a philosopher's name, right? Yes, this is the name of a philosopher. And the it word Lenin is no more hint than anything else. No. Philosopher's name, 20th century. 20th century. Oh, that helps. John, the first name is Daniel. The first name is Daniel. Daniel Dennett? Yes. Half a point. Question two. Is it that French guy? It's not a guy, actually. And not French, but apart from that. <laughs> apart from that, yeah. First name, Iris. Murdoch. Iris Murdoch. That's correct. Question three. Terence, somebody, maybe. No, that good would, thought. That would, be, that would be too easy, wouldn't it? The first name is, in fact, René. René Descartes. Yes. Is that an anagram for Descartes? D-E. So, as deterrence is an anagram of René Descartes. It really is, huh? It really okay. is. Question four. Well, it's not Paul Grice, because there's no C. Not Sartre, because there's no A. Okay, first name on this one, John, is Peter. Peter. But he's Australian, so I should say Peter. Famous for thinking about a child drowning in a pond. Thanks. <laughs> Peter Singer. Oh. Question five. Oh, God, gliding beforehand. That's a lot of letters there. So there are three names in here. First name, last name, and a little word in between. And the little word is of. Someone of oh. somewhere. Oh, so this isn't 20th century. No, it is not. Somebody of somewhere, and it's a philosopher. Medieval mystic, Hildegard of? Hildegard. Where the hell is Hildegard from? I give up. Hildegard of Bingen. In Germany. Question six. Can't be Anthony, and there's no why. Nope, she was a 20th century philosopher. 20th century philosopher. It's not Anscombe. It's not Philip of Foot. Name hint, first name, Hannah. Hannah Arendt. Is correct. Question seven. Let's see. There's only one name here, so we can't give a first one or last name. One name, and this was a 5th century BCE philosopher. Oh, 5th century. Oh, well, of course, yes. In Athens. Some Jesus. Pe well, some people think it's the origin of... It is. Oh, it is Socrates. It is. It is Socrates. Question eight. Madam G. Lemon. <laughs> no relation of Liz Lemon. Much more serious feminist than Liz Lemon, I would say. 
serious feminist. The first name here is Emma. Emma. So that gives us D-A-M-E-L. The answer is Emma Goldman. All right, two more to go on the anagram round. Question nine. Jaded acquirers. <laughs> Jesus. John, it is precisely because the anagram is jaded acquirers that it is not jaded acquirers. <laughs> yeah. That's your jaded, clue. That uh, is your clue. First name Jacques. What? Uh, Jacques Rousseau. No. Nope. Just Jacques. What century? 20th. He will deconstruct you. Uh, Derrida. Is it's correct. Yes. Jacques Derrida. Last one. <laughs> Question 10. Okay, Jad Elba. <laughs> well, two Zs. How many philosophers have two Zs as their name? Indeed. Phil Rizzuto. No, he was, a, he was a baseball player. This is another living philosopher. Still living. Still living. He's from Slovenia. I think Slovenia. the first name gives it away, but first name is Slavoj. First name is what? Slavoj. I don't know who that is. Slavoj Žižek. So, John, you got a total of three points for that round, which is a decent score. Freudian Slippers and Hypatians both got seven points. You're listening to Philosophy Talk. Today, we're listening back to our 20th anniversary quiz night and testing Philosophy Talk's host emeritus, John Perry. Coming up, we'll make some New York Times-style connections, and we'll hit the lightning round. More philosophical trivia, plus commentary from Ian Scholes, the 60-second philosopher, when Philosophy Talk continues. Welcome back. I'm Josh Landy, and this is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Ray Briggs, and we're celebrating two decades on the air by revisiting our 20th anniversary quiz night with our old friend and Philosophy Talk co-founder, John Perry. Let's return to KALW's pop-up space in San Francisco and Quizmaster Laura McGuire as she and our eight teams prepare for round seven. This is based on the New York Times game Connections. Is anyone familiar with this game? Okay, great. So for those of you who are not familiar with the game, on the, on the New York Times version you get 16 words and you have to figure out four groups of four. There's only one way to break it down into four groups with four members each. Okay, so we're going to play a version of this game. But... Instead of words, we're going to have philosophers' names. And you have to figure out four groups with four members each. There's only one way this breaks down. So here it is. Okay, I'm going to help you a little bit. Now, you might think, oh, obviously there's one group that's really easy. Ken Taylor, John Perry, Josh Landy, and Ray Briggs. What do they have in common? <laughs> that too. Damn handsome philosophy talk host. Um, so I'm going to help you out. This is not a category. That's too easy. It's too easy. Okay, so forget about that one. Do you want me to read? Shall I read them out? Okay, David Hume, Dennis Diderot, George Barclay, Friedrich Nietzsche, Michel de Montaigne, John Perry, Josh Landy, Judith Butler, Ken Taylor, Mary Astel. Astel. We, we have difficulty with that pronunciation. Mary Shepard, Mary Wollstonecraft, Three Marys, where's the fourth? Paul Draper, Plato, Philippa Foote, Ray Briggs. Well, let's see. David Hume, Dennis Diderot, George Berkeley, and Frederick Nietzsche are all dead. It's true. So is Mary Wollstonecraft. <laughs> And Philippa Foot. Uh, Philippa Foot was a colleague of mine at UCLA. Hmm. Well, I was a colleague of mine at UCLA. <laughs> I can't find two more though. So you want you want a category that fits only four of these people. So, for example, do you have anything in common with Hume? Whom? Hume. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of philosophy did these people write? What kind of books has John Perry written? Dialogues. Ooh, I think some others on the list may have written dialogues as well. Yeah, Plato, John Perry, David Hume, and George Barclay. Bing, you've got a group of four. So you can eliminate those four names and look at what the others have in common. Think about provenance. 
Where Ovens. people where people are from. Where people are from. Well, Ken Taylor's from Ohio. Philip Foot's from England. Anyone else from England? Mary Wollstonecraft, maybe. Are there by any chance any other English people on the list, John? May let me help you. I said, are there by any chance? Are you from England, John? <laughs> <laughs> He is. His accent has softened, but he is he is a third person on that list. Okay. So you just need a fourth. How about Mary Astle? Is correct. So now you can eliminate those four as well. Okay. So now your next category involves not thinking about the philosophy, but just thinking about people's last names. Judith Butler. Her last name is a position in a, in a large estate, Butler. Very good. Uh, Ken Taylor. Yep. That's another occupation. Yes, it is. You know, Paul Draper. I suppose draping is an occupation. 100%. That's three. And Shepard, Mary Shepard. Yes. Yes. So that that is uh, the third group. So now we have four remaining. <laughs> and I had a lot of trouble guessing what they had in common. I, I don't think anybody at the quiz night got this. They are Brig Ray Briggs, Friedrich Nietzsche, Denis Diderot, and Michel de Montaigne. And the answer is that they all wrote about something, but nobody at the quiz got this. <laughs> Briggs, Nietzsche, Draper, and... Including Ray. Even even Ray didn't know the answer to this. Montaigne? Ray Briggs, Friedrich Nietzsche, Denis Diderot, Michel de Montaigne. The answer is that we all wrote about monsters. Ah, uh, would have taken me a long time to get that. Would have taken me forever. <laughs> so, John, I got good news for you. Categorical Imps won this round with a score of three. You got a score of seven. Well, with, with some help. Okay. All right, John. Here we are at round eight. The last round, the lightning round. And uh, your score to beat, John, is 14 points. You've got wow. 20 points to get. And, and if you can get uh, 14 or better, then uh, we owe you a drink. <laughs> 20 questions for 20 years. All answers are names. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Question one. Who said that meaning is just eight in the head? Wittgenstein. No, I'm sorry. It was Hilary Putnam. Question two. What philosopher wrote on liberty? David Hume. Nope. John Stuart Mill. Question three. Which 17th century philosopher said, without God, nothing can be conceived? Barclay. It was Spinoza. Question four. Who said, life must be understood backward, but it must be lived forward? Got me. Kierkegaard. Question five. Who wrote in 1940, humility is attentive patience? Wine. It was Simone Weil. Question six. Which 13th century philosopher and theologian wrote Summa Theologica? St. Thomas Aquinas. Yes. Yeah, I got one right, actually. Which philosopher wrote the 1694 book, A Serious Proposal to the Ladies? Don't know. Mary Estelle. Question eight. Which philosopher was awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1950? Sartre. Nope. Bertrand Russell. Question nine, John. Uh, who wrote the 1962 book, How to Do Things with Words? John Austin. Is correct. Question 10. Who formulated the principle known as the identity of indiscernibles? Leibniz. Yes. Question 11. Who invented the thought experiment that became known as the trolley problem? I don't know. Philip Afoot. Question 12. Who coined the term trolley problem? Don't know. Judith Jarvis Thompson. Question 13. Who coined the term category mistake? Don't know. Gilbert Ryle. Question 14. Which philosopher asked what it's like to be a bat? Tom Nagel. Yes. Question 15. Who first used the duck rabbit optical illusion to think about perception? Wittgenstein. It's not correct, actually. It was Joseph Jastrow. Who? I know. <laughs> Question 16. Who introduced the Swamp Man thought experiment in 1987? Maybe that was Putnam. Nope, that was Donald Davidson. Question 17, John. Who identified four kinds of causes? Material, formal, efficient, and final? Aristotle. Is correct. Question 18. Who proposed the veil of ignorance as a device for thinking about justice? John Rawls. Yes, correct. 
Question 19. Who used the teletransporter thought experiment to question personal identity? Beats me. Derek Parfit. Question 20. Who coined the term paradigm shift? Philosopher science, uh, maybe Hempel? Nope, it was Thomas Kuhn. And that is it, folks. Hand up your answer sheets. Well, John, you got eight points on that round, which is incredibly impressive. Again, no, it's the, not. The, I think so. The winning team got 14, but again, we're talking about a team of seven or eight people. So, John, what are you thinking now? Oh, I, I, I'm thinking uh, how brilliant the current Philosophy Talk team is. <laughs> Listen, uh, flattery will not get you more points. <laughs> I, I'll take it. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking the quiz, John. You're very welcome. Be sure to check out the slides and all of Laura's visuals from our 20th anniversary quiz night at our website, philosophytalk.org. Now, the captain of Team Aegon and a man always ready for a lightning round. It's Ian Scholes, the 60-second philosopher. Ian Scholes' money has always been of secondary importance to philosophers, judging by the paltry evidence I will now present. Socrates walked around barefoot, covered in dirty sheets, and never washed his hair, which probably didn't help him when he passed the hat, if he even had a hat. Nobody had hats back then. Who had money for hats? Take Isaac Newton and Leibniz. Newton wound up being in charge of English money, maybe even rolled around in it like Scrooge McDuck. History has averted its eyes, or her eyes, I suppose. Leibniz, on the other hand, was always looking for a patron, always scrambling for a buck. Both men wore wigs, which I imagine were not cheap, and Leibniz wound up his days dressing in finery 20 years out of date, perhaps because his budget precluded new outfits. Also, Newton hated Leibniz. Newton had accused Leibniz of stealing calculus from him. Leibniz denied that, but he often came across as what we now call inauthentic. While Newton was intimidating, powerful, and well-connected, and also a prickly, paranoid, nasty kind of person, Leibniz, though smarmy, was smart as hell, as smart as Newton. I mean, they both came out with calculus at the same time, unless you think Leibniz stole it. I mean, really? You going with that answer? Neither of them got rich. On to the 20th century. Wittgenstein, he who said, what we cannot speak about, we must pass over in silence, which seems a bit tautological, but hey, look who's talking, came from one of the wealthiest families in Austria. But what wasn't grabbed by Nazis, he gave away in a fit of secular monkishness. No money there either. Seems to me philosophers have it easy now. Some of them even have tenure. Used to have to know Latin and Greek and even French if you were ever invited to court, which happened a lot. Who needs that? It can lead to death, as with Socrates, or a bizarre fuse, as with Newton and Leibniz, or trying to avoid Nazis, as with Wittgenstein. On the other hand, one can't escape the nagging feeling that unless it's related to quantum physics, philosophy doesn't have the panache it once did. Programs like Philosophy Talk, it's true, depend on money to keep going, but only occasionally does the begging bowl get trotted out, just before funding requests or during public radio pledge weeks. Socrates prided himself on knowing nothing. You would find the meaning of a concept such as virtue or duty by interviewing an expert who doesn't know what he's talking about. Eventually, the Greeks got so annoyed they killed him. Wittgenstein gave his money away and threw philosophy out the window. But today, philosophy is safely back in the house. Nazis are in disguise and don't really care what philosophers think, unless they're Jordan Peterson or some damn podcaster. Unless you poke them with the yardstick of common sense, they'll probably leave you alone. After they cut off your funding, of course. But the question is on the table, or at least my table. What do philosophers know, and when do they know it? Certainly philosophers can lay claim to a lot of stuff. History, science, art, poetry, drama, politics, psychology, all have intersected with philosophy at one time or other. Surely there's a way, beyond tenure, which is becoming problematic, I heard, to monetize the vast trove of useless knowledge inside every philosopher's brain. Trivial pursuit has often led to admiration of those who pursue the knowledge wedges that are the markers of victory. But there's no money in it. TV's Jeopardy rewards knowledge, but only if you can put it in the form of a question. Pub quizzes show great promise as a path to monetization, especially if the questions all center around how many women Schopenhauer shoved on a flight of stairs, for instance. As you've just heard, in their first pub quiz outing, the hosts and guests of the program crowned themselves with glory and beer and pizza. There were no losers, although some were more correct than others. All we need now is an endowment, a venue with a happy hour, and enhanced memorization skills to own the pub quiz and bring it kicking and screaming into the 21st century. A quick scan of the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy and an eidetic memory, and we are golden, my friend, golden. Remember what Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. Though, I don't know, how do you prove a claim like that? I gotta go. Philosophy Talk is a presentation of KALW, local public radio San Francisco Bay Area, and the trustees of Leland Stanford Junior University, copyright 2024. Our executive producer is Ben Trefney. The senior producer is Devin Strolovich. Laura McGuire is our director of research. Special thanks to James Cass, John Carroll, Oakland United Beer Works, and Escape from New York Pizza. Support for Philosophy Talk comes from various groups at Stanford University. 
from subscribers to our online community of thinkers, and from the members of KALW San Francisco Bay Area, where our program originates. The views expressed or misexpressed on this program do not necessarily represent the opinions of Stanford University or of our other funders. Not even when they're true and reasonable. The conversation continues on our website, philosophytalk.org, where you can become a subscriber and collect philosophical trivia from our library of nearly 600 episodes. I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ray Briggs. Thank you for listening. And thank you for thinking. Come on, let's do it. Let's play Who Wants to Be a Millionaire.